welcome to the Wanderlust Journal podcast, based upon great storytelling. We'll be sharing adventures, recommendations, and tips for the aspiring writer. I'm your host, Sarah Leamy. I am a wanderer since I was a teenager hitching across France. I usually travel alone with dogs and in various vehicles. I'm the author of Van Life, Bring a Chainsaw, and numerous others. And I have a master's degree in writing and publishing, so you are in good hands today. If you'd like to hear more, simply subscribe, stick around, and we'll take you around the world. Why, hello, how are you? Today, I am recording again from Mexico. Uh, I'm going to be here for a little bit longer before I head back north to the States. But today, I have a variety of people I want to talk to you about. Um, to start with, someone that I just came across online on Instagram and some other places. And it's a couple from India, or an Indian couple, and their name is Katik Vasan and Smriti Badoria. And she goes by Simi. Or Sim, I believe Sim. And I wanted to talk to them because they started their journey in 2020, so during the pandemic. And since then, they've clocked over 12,400 12, miles, um, 10 countries, and just just crazy what they're doing. So at this point, I believe, okay, um, a few months ago, I saw a post that said it was 24, 24 months in their 1977 Dodge van, and they'd gone 10 countries, and they have um, since then actually got it shipped over to Colombia, and they're ready for their next adventure, which is also incredible. They shipped their brown van, which is um, not much, it's the, basically the same as mine. You can't stand up in it, that's for sure. Simple, old, probably a V8, and just... They set their own things inside and took it. And they've taken it at this point. They got it from Central America to South America in a shipping container. And it was such a, as they said in their post in May last year, um, it was such a humongous thing in our heads for the longest time to be able to cross the Darien Gap. A huge bank benchmark moment we anticipated since the day we left in the middle of 2020. We feel so proud of the fact that even though we might be the first Indian couple to make this journey happen, we're confident that in the process we have inspired some of you to take your own adventures in some form. And one thing I wanted to bring to you um, about what they talk about is how food I love the idea of food and what they eat. And they said something that was really important to them was showing that um, just because we're camping or living in vans doesn't mean the food has to be crap. So a little quote from an article on photos.com. It says, those lucky enough to share a campsite with a couple have a high chance of being fed homemade Indian food. It's a very cultural thing, feeding people in India, says Sim. People on the road by default assume that the quick and easy foods don't have a lot of flavor. And that's where we come in. I whip up my whole spices and pressure cookers and there's aromas everywhere and it just blows their mind that we could, they could do it too. And there's other stories that aren't always great. There was a gunman, there was a pastor um, that were ignored in grocery stores and those are in the these stories from the States. But they come across as such a um, positive couple. They, Their intention really is to inspire more people to get out and about. I'm hoping that they have got a website or they will get a website and start actually writing and blogging and just putting 
rather than um, simply putting up photos every so often. I hope that we find out more from them. But you can follow them at The Brown Life, and they are on TikTok and Instagram. And at, like I said, they've got over 13,000 miles, um, 10 countries, and they have recently arrived in Colombia. So hopefully we'll find out more as they carry on. Next up, I wanted to bring you to a website um, run by Kay Kingsman. Uh, it's called The Awkward Traveler. She Kay describes herself as half black, half white Los Angeles girl now living in Portland. And I'm going to read a little bit in a second from her website about how she started traveling. But one of the things I really wanted to... Um, give a link to was that she started a non-profit organization called the Global Dreamers Foundation, which sponsors young adults from underrepresented groups with their first passports. And so here's a little story about her getting her own passport. Get this. There I was, a little 16-year-old junior high in high school. I studied French all four years of high school. And my second year, there was a class trip over spring break to Canada, to Montreal. However, I knew my family would never be able to afford it and we couldn't, so I didn't go on that trip. In my third year of French class, there was a class trip over spring break to Paris, France. Mon monetarily, nothing had changed for our family, so I stuffed the information flyer in my pocket and went home. However, instead of walking in the door and heading straight to my room, one of my mum's friends was visiting. She was a very nosy person, still is by the way, and literally demanded that I tell her how my school day was. And unlike my mum, she didn't take the word fine as an answer, and she pulled teeth to get angsty teenage me into mentioning the France trip. Oh, you should go. France is great. That would be such a fun opportunity. I stared back at her. She fished out her wallet, rambling on about how great baguettes and cheap wine was. Not that I would be having any, she added when my mum gave her a look. She quickly wrote a cheque, shoving it into my hands, and before my mum or I had a chance to protest, here, this will cover the passport. You're smart enough. I'm sure you'll figure out the rest, she said. I don't know if I was smart, but I was resourceful. I applied to over a dozen mini scholarships for high schoolers and ended up winning a total of $2,000, enough to cover the trip with a little souvenir money and buy myself a suitcase. However, that one trip didn't make me fall in love with traveling. And I'm not going to keep reading from that. You're going to have to go to her website, which is theawkwardtraveler.com, to find out more. But I love the idea of the Global Dreamers Foundation, helping other people go and get passports, right? I mean, how how amazing is that? So like I said, this is um, a nonprofit organization dedicated to making international travel more accessible for young Americans. And they sponsor the cost of the new passport applications. And a new passport in the US, um, at least a couple of years ago, was around $150. And you know, she wants a little extra for passport photos and all of that stuff. So she's passing this on. Kay Kingsman is passing this on because she wants to hope that, you know, that, more, that other people can go. And it for her, it all started with getting a passport. So I'm going to see what uh, I'm going to add the link to that in the notes as well. And then what else? I wanted to. um Yes, let's see. I think for today, we're just going to do a short uh, episode. Today, we're going to finish up with um, Nicole Sutton from New Zealand. I came across something she had written through a Facebook post that she shared it. And it comes from womanmoto.com. It's um, 
a women motorcyclist set down down under, as they say. And I just wanted to give you a little taste of um, her writing and that magazine, that online magazine, and the editor um, that's, you know, that's sharing the words, sharing these stories. So here is something from Nicole Sutton in New Zealand. So yes, I can tell you about a few different things that are going on, motorcycle events, and we're going to stick with the motorcycle events in Australia and New Zealand. Let's see. Um, Starting March 4th, there's uh, International Women's Day celebrated in the North Territory. Um, March 5th, Yay for Girls, an all-female motocross race event in South Australia. Open Roads Rally in Victoria, uh, the Taupo Napier Mail Run Rally in North Island, the Repco Beach Hop in North Island, Freestyling Kings, uh, the Rag Rally in North Island. And that's just in March. Let's see. There's uh, May 9th, the All Women Simpson Desert Crossing in South Australia. There's the New Zealand Motorcycle Show in North Island, Auckland. There's the Simpson Desert Guided Crossing in South Australia. Those are in May. Um, Oh my gosh, this is kind of crazy. I'm going to give you the list. I'm going to give you the link. And again, it's on womanmoto.com. They have a whole bunch of stuff for you coming up. And I'll let me find quickly the one for Europe and one for the States and see what I can see. Well, again, there are just way too many to include. So I'm going to uh, give you a couple of links in the episode notes and let you know some things going on there. Of course, there we're actually going to finish off with a little piece from James Agomba. Um, he's a writer from England that I've met online. And this is a piece that was published in the Wanderlust Journal quite a few years ago. And it's from when he went to visit Western Samoa. The boat from Apollo was soothing and people mostly kept their heads down to thwart the seasickness. At the dock, I checked the map and started walking what I thought was north to the hostel to check for vacancies. But I had lost all sense of direction by then. A man in a truck gave me a ride before I got 100 paces down the crumbly road. He dropped me off at Lucia's, which had been recommended. The fail was luxury, a small bamboo shelter with shutters for windows and a private mosquito net. Even better was the other bed was vacant. The sun went down, the ocean lapped small crabs and fish into the cove by my fail, and the bar was open. Paradise had been found. The next day, Paradise took a chicane or two, as did I. I'd taken a walk through into a local car hire garage in order to get to the far side of the island and reach my destination. Unfortunately, businesses, houses, and sometimes derelicts can look deceptively similar. I found the sign for the car rental place, which is on the far side of the forecourt, and I walked down the grass alley near the sign. I ended up in front of someone's house. It didn't look like anyone was home, but all five dogs were, and they were raging as that I had intruded as far as I had. Realizing my mistake, I turned and started walking away briskly. I heard the half of the approaching dogs behind me and the pack leader wrapped its jaws around my ankle and slipped off as I pulled forward. My leg went numb and I went down to one knee. As I looked up, the dogs had me surrounded and all I could think of was to clench my fist to try and fight them off. Then a saviour came in the form of a rock. A small boy was home, no older than nine, who started pelting them with rocks and shouting. The boy ran over to me and helped me up as the dogs retreated to the house. He didn't speak a word of English, but I could tell he was very sympathetic towards me. And sometimes heroes come in the most unexpected form. 
By then, the man from the car rental place had seen what had happened and ran over, helping me limp to his office. He sat me down and put my bloody foot into an ice cream tub full of dirty salt water, and feeling came back in the form of a sting. He hired me a car and I drove to hosp- myself to hospital in a 1.2 automatic Toyota as the only ambulance on the line had been out of service for some time. I pulled up outside after 11 kilometres and tried not to bleed over the footwell. I limped in and signed up. An old lady with an eye patch stood up to let me sit down on one of the stone benches and I felt terrible. After an hour, I was patched up by a Samoan nurse and the doctor from New Zealand. My tendon was actually hanging out the back of the nick of my ankle. But luckily rabies hadn't been introduced to the island, and so all he prescribed was some painkillers after covering it with antiseptic. He told me to take it easy, and I was very lucky, and he let the nurse patch me up. I tilted my head back in pain as he placed the bandages, which caused my sunglasses to slip off my bandana straight into a bin of bloody rags. I said she could keep them. Common sense told me I should go back to the fail and rest. Determination said I should soldier on and reach my goal. Guess which one I listened to. I continued along the road to the other side of the island, going easy in the, on the accelerator. After civilization became more basic, it became more beautiful. The trees to my left strewn among the chasms and curves in the landscape. They appeared so thick with flora it was like they had been draped with pondweed. To my right was the coastline, reflecting a beautiful glow in the wing mirrors. The road was thin and damaged in so many places that it became a task of full concentration. The tendon at the back of my ankle didn't help the journey, and it started to bleed through the bandage, and the smell of the iodine patch underneath reminded me of the dog racing up to bite it. Despite it being eager to reach my destination, I eased off the accelerator even more, knowing it was very close. The morning rain had caused steam to rise from the jungle from the trees when the intense sun started to peak. As I drove slowly on, the thick jungle started to fray and the lava fields of West Savai came into view. The greenery started to increase in terms of texture, whilst the branches of the more scattered trees became sparse. And so that comes from James Agambar, and he resides near the treacherous waters of Southend-on-Sea in Essex, England. His fiction has been published on several occasions and he still has some, He, I think he recently had another book come out. So he is worth checking out. I'm going to give you um, the link to his that piece from him. He's written a few times for Wanderlust Journal, which leads me to finish up by saying if you have anything that you would like to read here or share or you have an idea for a suggestion, um, for topics or themes or people or books or events, let me know. Um, Like I said, I'm recording this from Mexico, from Baja, Mexico. It's actually been really chilly, but as I see photos of the Mexicali-Tijuana border and Tucson and different places having snowstorms right now, this is February in 2023, I think I'm doing okay. I'm wearing t-shirts and jeans and sandals and it's okay. I, I, I can survive this, right? Yes. So anyways, thank you for listening today. Uh, we will be doing an episode soon on motorcyclists um, and different picking up different stories from there. And I had some other ideas, but let me do some research first and I'll get back to you. So subscribe i put these out every two weeks and it's all free i offer them for free but if you would click on the website and subscribe and let me know that you're listening and if you can make a donation to help me keep going i'd appreciate it all right you have a great day bye 
If you'd like to find out more about either Wanderlust Journal or myself and my books, you'll find the links in the episode notes below. That's saralimi.com and wanderlust-journal.com. It's all completely free. If you're interested in supporting the Wanderlust Journal and keeping it free for everyone who wants to publish, read or hear these travel stories, there is also a link to the Buy Me A Coffee page below. 